Good morning, church. If you would, turn the Bible to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah, we're going to the Old Testament and to uh, one of the major prophets, Jeremiah chapter 9. Uh, you will remember that last week we finished up the book of Philippians, and so we're going to take a few weeks here to cover a couple things that, uh, that I want us to look at. And today's sermon is going to be on knowing God, knowing God. You heard uh, Matt's prayer just then in that pastoral prayer time that we would know God. And here is, in many ways, the most important thing in the world do we know God? Earlier in the service, Joshua Womble read from John chapter 17, the prayer of Jesus when he prayed that we would know God and have eternal life through knowing God, that that's what eternal life is and that we would know Jesus Christ whom God has sent. That was a prayer of Jesus. That is the desire of God that we would know him and that is what we are going to look at today. You know, it's not hard for us to understand a subject like this, knowing someone. Val and I have been married now for 15 years, happily married. I love her. And over the 15 years, I've gotten to know her so well. I still have a lot to learn, but I, I know her. And one of the things that, that I know about my wife is that she loves a good cheeseburger. When we are trying to figure out what we're going to do, she said, you know, I really would like to get a, get a nice burger. But I remember back 15 years ago, 14 years ago, maybe even 10, 12 years ago, that I would try to uh, treat my wife by coming home from work or something with a burger. And I would get home and she would bite into that burger thinking that I had been such a good husband and it would have onions and pickles all over it. She would say, Josh, you know that I don't like pickles and onions. I've told you that before. And I'd say, how did I forget? I should have known that about you, right? And now I know to not get her food that has pickles or onions in it. Now, she's not that picky. She loves lettuce and tomato and all the other things that can go on there. But it's the pickles and onions that drive her crazy. And every once in a while, there have been times where I would come home and I'd say, I know you. I made sure I got no onions. She bites into it, and there's still a pickle on there. And she says, no, you think you know me, but you don't know me, right? And we get into that conversation, and I want to know her. And I want her to know me. And we understand what it means in a relationship to know somebody. Not just to know about them, but to know them. Not just to know what can be observed uh, on the surface, but to know them in a way that it took some effort, it took some relationship to know them. You know not only what they look like or, or, or something that you have observed, but you know how they feel. You know what they like, what they don't like. And this is the very idea that the, the Word of God is wanting us to know God. God wants us to know Him. In one of the best books I have ever read, J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, he writes this. He is quoting the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, when he says, Knowing God is the highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy which can ever engage the attention of a child of God. It is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom he calls his 
Father. There is something exceedingly improving to the mind in a contemplation of the divinity. It is a subject so vast that all our thoughts are lost in its immensity, so deep that our pride is drowned in its infinity. No subject of contemplation will tend more to humble the mind than thoughts of God. He goes on. But while the subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. He who often thinks of God will have a larger mind than the man who simply plods around this narrow globe. The most excellent study for expanding the soul is the science of Christ and Him crucified and the knowledge of the Godhead and the glorious Trinity. Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul of man as a devout, earnest, continued investigation of the great subject of God. And it is this morning that I want to show you from the scriptures that God wants us to know him. Read with me at Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. These two verses here in this long book. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. What a passage. What an outstanding passage from the Scriptures, from the Word of God, tucked away in a very thick Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 are so good. We have God saying here those things that he likes, those things that he wants us to boast about, and those things that we ought not to boast about. When we start talking about boasting, we know that if you, if, if you say, what does it mean to boast, that means to brag. And when we get into what we boast or brag about, it's talking about those things that we are proud of. If you look up, what does it mean to boast? It will say, to speak with excessive pride. Too much pride. Pride that has gone too far is what boasting or bragging becomes. And so, we have God speaking to the things that we are proud of. Now, I know that in our passage today, we don't have the word pride or or being proud, but that is what it means to boast, and this is what God is speaking to. So what we have in our passage today is God addressing what we are proud of. And so I want you to know, by way of us considering, do we know God? Are we growing in knowing God? Do we know Him? Not just know about him, but do we know him? God is going to diagnose our hearts in knowing him based off of what we are proud of. When we speak of pride, we must be clear, provide clarity, that there is a good pride and a bad pride. There are some things that we should be proud of, and there are some things that we should not be proud of. There are some things that we should be ashamed of. There are some things that we should be embarrassed of. To be proud of things that we should not be proud of is sin. It is wrong. There are things that do not please God, and we ought not to be proud of that. There are things that do not honor God, and we ought not to be proud of that. There are good things to be proud of, and there are bad things to be proud of. In verse 23... 
God identifies three things that we should not express pride in. Those are wisdom, might, and riches. How wise you are, how smart you are, how intellectual you are, how much you know, how rich, um, um, how, mighty, how mighty you are, how strong you are, how, how tough you are, how rich you are, how wealthy you are, how much you have, how much you have accumulated, how much you have acquired, how much you have saved. These are things that God says we ought not boast about. And there are two reasons that God says no to bad pride, that God identifies bad pride. There are two reasons that we see here today. Number one, bad pride... Boasting in something you should not boast about will have you boasting about things that you should not boast about. Bad pride will have you boasting about things that you should not boast about. If you are so blessed to be wise. Now, I don't know if you would claim to be wise. Matt read a very scary passage from Romans 1 during his prayer that they claim to be wise, and God says they are foolish. If you are wise by anybody's standard, you are wise, you have that wisdom because God gave you that wisdom. It is a gift, it is is a blessing from God. The Bible teaches us that if you lack wisdom, you can ask God for wisdom and he will give you wisdom, James chapter 1. But we are to know that wisdom possessed by anybody is from God. You did not make yourself wise. If you are so blessed to have might, strength, a strong back, strong muscles, a strong heart, strong health, strong perseverance, strong will, Strong determination. If you have those things, it is because God has given that to you. He has blessed you with that. And it is not something that you should be overly proud of. If you have wealth, if you have riches, if you have income, lots of income, if you have a bank account and lots in your bank account, if you have accumulated wealth because it's been passed down to you from somewhere else, or you have got a great job and they give you lots of money, or you have the wisdom to be a good steward, or you have the contentment to not spend a lot, and we could go on and on with all of the good ways that people get riches and wealth, but if you have that, it is from the hand of God, as every good and perfect gift has come from Him. He owns it all, and he can take it from us if he wanted to. Our wisdom and our might and our riches, and these are things that have come from God. And if they have come from God, then we do not boast in those things. We boast about things that we should be proud of, and we should not boast about things that we should not be proud of. And we end up having this bad sense of pride, and it is shameful. I want us to stay right here in Jeremiah, and if you know the story, God's people had just become so rebellious, so sinful, so disobedient, that Jeremiah is now this mouthpiece for God, this prophet, who keeps telling them what God says, but nobody is listening. The people of Israel are not listening. It is a free-for-all of ungodliness. It's an ugly scene in the life and history of God's people. That's what we have in the book of Jeremiah. I just want to show you a few things here in Jeremiah 8 as Jeremiah the prophet is speaking and as God is speaking. Look at Jeremiah chapter 8. We'll start in verse 6. No man relents 
of his evil. Nobody says, what have I done? Can we stop for a second and think about how much evil and wickedness goes on and yet we hardly see remorse? We hardly hear, oh, what have I, what have I done? What have I done? Jeremiah is describing the people. Look down to verse 7. But my people know not the rules of the Lord. Verse 8, how can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? But behold, the lying pen of the scribes has made it into a lie. The wise men will be put to shame. They shall be dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom is in them? To boast of wisdom as you are rejecting God is to display you are not wise at all. Jeremiah brings that up. Look at verse 11. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. What a beautiful picture. What a strong graphic description of somebody who should be totally embarrassed and ashamed and their face should be red, blushing, because they had done so wrong and yet they don't feel it at all. They're proud of things that they should not be proud of. Turn over to chapter 9. Look at verse 3. They bend their tongue like a bow. Falsehood, not truth, has grown strong in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil. They do not know me, declares the Lord. Does everybody see that? These are a people, the people of God, who boast that they know God. And God points out that they do not. Their pride for things that they should not be prideful of is offensive to God. And it is a clear picture. They don't know him. Verse 4, let everyone beware of his neighbor and put no trust in any brother. For every brother is a deceiver and every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. Everyone deceives his neighbor. No one speaks the truth. Verse 6, heaping oppression upon oppression and deceit upon deceit. They refuse to know me, declares the Lord. They're prideful. They say they know God. They profess to know him, but they deny him by their godliness, or their ungodliness, I'm sorry. And so we see God speaking to a pride that is a bad pride. It is based off of living in a way that God does not approve of. It is based off of a claiming to know God, but living in a way that offends him. And this is a bad thing, and one should be convicted by that. One should be bothered by that, and they're not. J.I. Packer, writing in Knowing God, says this. It is the most practical project anyone can engage in, knowing about God. Knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives. He goes on. We are cruel to ourselves if we are to try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and the God who runs this world. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. Several people come to mind as I read that. 
To boast of anything without knowing God is to be a misplaced boasting, a misplaced pride. It's a bad pride. So when God says, if you have wisdom, don't boast about it. If you have might, don't boast about it. If you have riches, don't boast about it. We are to hear that there are some things that we should not be proud about. But secondly... Not only does a bad pride cause you to boast about things you shouldn't boast about, but a bad pride has you focused on that thing in the place of something that you should be focused on. Bad pride, number two, will keep you from knowing more of something, specifically here in Jeremiah 9. It has kept them from knowing God. It is absolutely true for us to be so focused on our wisdom, our strength, and our successes that we have neglected to focus on God. It is absolutely true for us to be good at at wisdom and good at uh, our our health and strength and good at our jobs and our incomes and and our, our paying our bills that we do not think we need to know God. A misplaced pride creates boasting about something we shouldn't boast about, which leads to keeping us from knowing more of something. That is the issue here. I just led you through chapters 8 and 9. We see the people living and moving and interacting, and yet they don't know God. God continues to say, we saw it a few times, you don't know me, you don't know me. What God wants for them is for them to know him. But they are being kept from it because of the things that matter most to them, because of the things that they are proud of. Pride can keep you from knowing God. Pride will leave you, a bad pride, will leave you with an attitude that boasts of things you shouldn't boast of and leaves you empty for not knowing that which you should know. Bad pride will keep you from communicating Communication is one of the easiest ways to know. One of the awesome things that you learn when you read the New Testament is when Jesus sees somebody's living, when Jesus sees somebody living this way, he will say to them, Do you not know that God says this? Jesus is taken back that a one who professes to know God would live in a way that offends God. He's taken back by that. And so he says, Do you not know that God says this? And communication is when you say, here's what I want you to know. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to understand. And God does this. God has not left us without answers. He's provided answers. If you do not know the answers, then it's because you've not sought those answers. But God has provided answers. And there there is an attitude like this off of the bad pride that keeps us from communicating and therefore keeps us from knowing. It keeps us from something. It keeps us from someone, someone to know. It reminds me of the old song and. You know, I'm not, I'm not much of a singer, but when nobody's looking or I'm washing dishes at home or something like that, I like to sing. And over the last two weeks, I've been thinking and thinking and thinking about the scriptures and knowing God. That's why I'm preaching on this. I've been studying. I got a list of, of all these passages that talk about knowing God and I got a li- in my little notebook. And I got a list of all these passages that talk about God saying that we don't know him. And I've been thinking about this. And as I've been just sitting and pr- preparing and thinking and praying and studying, a, a song came to mind. An old song, 1972, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. If you don't know me by now. Do y'all remember that song? 
You will never, ever, ever know me. You remember that song? Listen to this. If you don't know me, you will never know me. This is a love song of somebody who's been hurt because the person they want to know them does not know them. You hear this? This is what pride and misunderstanding and a focus on things you should not be focused on and a boasting about things that we should not boast about will keep us from knowing something. In the book of Jeremiah, to the prophet of, the prophet of, of God, speaking to the people who are disobedient, he says, stop boasting about these things. I want you to know me. Bad pride will have you boasting in gifts from God at the same time not even knowing the God who gave you those gifts. Is this not what it's like to live in this world? Boasting about things that God gave you without knowing the God that gave them to you. Bad pride will get you there. It'll have you boasting about wisdom and boasting about might and boasting about riches when God gave you those. And he gave you those that you would know him. That brings us to verse 24 that says, there is certainly a difference between knowing and knowing about. And oh, what a message we need for us. We live in a part of the world where we are extremely educated. Most of us would be hard-pressed to find somebody who doesn't know how to read. We are so educated that it's a given that everybody knows how to read. If you were to ask somebody, do you know how to read, they would be offended by the question here in the United States of America. And so there's a tendency for us to equate knowing with knowing about. They are not the same thing. Knowing about helps us know but knowing is more important than knowing about. Knowing about helps us to know something. And this is where we see here in verse 24, the heart of God. God speaks of now what I would call a good pride, something that there is to boast in, a good boasting. He says to not boast, and there are lots of passages in Scripture that teach us to not boast. We know we're not to brag. There should not be excessive pride in our lives. But if you are to boast, verse 24 says, let the person boast in this. Now it does say, him who boasts. So if you're a boaster, at least boast about this. But verse 24 says, if you are to boast, boast in this, that I am the Lord. Or let him, let him boast in this, that he understands me and knows me, that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight declares the Lord. God tells us two ways of pride, good pride, boasting, good boasting. Number one, we are to know what God is like. We are to understand what God is like. We are to know him and understand him, and we are to know what he is like. He is the Lord, and here's what he does. If you know anything about God, you are to know these things. He practices steadfast love. He practices Justice. He practices righteousness. If you want to know God, you need to know that about him. God is loving. God is just. And God is righteous. You can count on him for those things. He will not let you down in those areas. And for all the people out there whose lives are filled with lack of love and filled with areas of, of lacking justice and areas where things are so wrong and out of line, listen, God does not let you down in those areas. He can be trusted. God wants us to know this about him. I do love. I do practice justice. I do practice righteousness. Over the last week, I've heard about these 
sorry, let me, let me stop back. Let me step back just one, one point. So the first is he practices steadfast love. God loves to love. You know, as we read the Gospels, and we've been reading back through here, uh, I'm reading through Mark right now, and you read the Gospels, you see Jesus interacting with people in so many different levels. We see Jesus walking a lot. And since Jesus walked a lot, he encountered people that were on the side of the road a lot. He encountered sick people on the side of the road. He encountered uh, drunk people on the side of the road. He encountered handicapped people on the side of the road. He encountered begging people on the side of the road. And, And I just really want you to hear this. When we run into somebody on the side of the road, we are often perplexed, puzzled. What do we do? Do we help? Do we not help? Right? That that's how we find ourselves. But have you seen? When you read the Gospels, you see Jesus loving people there. He would stop. He always had time. We often don't have time. God had more time than us. God had time for them. God would meet them where they were. If they needed stuff, he'd give them stuff. If they needed a conversation, he'd give them a conversation. If they needed the gospel, he'd give them the gospel, right? And he would meet people where they were. God loved. Jesus loves. And we see this. He practices steadfast love. God loves to love. God wants you to know this about him. If there's anybody out there who wants to talk about God in a way that he's not loving, they don't know God. He wants us to know that he loves. Secondly, he wants us to know that he's just. This is where I was going. Over the last two weeks, I've seen two huge news stories that are dominating everything about the news. We got the young man running in Georgia that was shot, and we got the lady that's an EMT here in Louisville that was shot, right? And we see this and we start to hear these news stories and it breaks our hearts seeing that and I read here in the Bible that God is just. Listen, when you watch the news and you hear all these stories that hurt your heart and and puzzle your mind and you think what is happening in the world? Be reminded that God is just. He will not let anybody go free. He will not let anybody go without judgment. God is good and just. There will be justice. And we fight for justice here. And we want things to be true and honest and upright here, but we know that in this crooked world things are often not just. But listen to God speak for himself in Jeremiah 9. I am the Lord and I practice justice. Everything hurting your heart now that does not seem just and right and fair, better believe this. God says he is just. He will execute justice. If you are hurting today because of how unfair your life or this world is, Take heart, God is telling you, know me, I practice justice. Number three, righteousness. God wants us to know that he's righteous. All the things that we see that go wrong, he says, no, I do it right. I never make a mistake. Everything that God does is proper. It's good. It's true. It's holy. It's upright. He does what he pleases. He has a good purpose in it. And when he says here to not boast about these things, he says, boast about this that you know and understand me, and this is what I'm like, God wants us to know what God is like. It is such a confusing way to live, aiming for spirituality without knowing the holy spiritual one, God. And God wants us to know what he's like. We cannot get at knowing him if we don't know what he's like. It's like me bringing home a burger for my wife covered in things that she doesn't like. It's an attempt to be good, like hey, at least I thought of you and I brought you a burger, but I brought it in a way that she didn't like it. To want to worship God and live your life and know him is to know what he's like. But secondly, he says, 
A good pride, a good boasting is not only in what God is like, one who practices love and justice and righteousness, but what God likes. And I love that he says this. At the end of verse 24, he says, for in these things I delight. If there was ever the notion in your home that God is a stick in the mud or that he's so far off that he's not any fun or he's not any good or he's not any, 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 anything to enjoy, that is not right. God says here, here's what I like. Just the other day, I was driving through the Dairy Queen drive-thru with my kids, me and all the kids, and Val wasn't with us. And we were going through there, and we are going to get some ice cream, and, and, and Noah speaks up, and he says, Dad, you know what would be great? And I said, what? He said, why don't we get Mom a smoothie, and when she gets home, she'll see that we got her a smoothie. She'll love that. He's going to be a good husband one day. I said, that would be great. They don't carry smoothies anymore, so we weren't able to do it, right? But a boy thinking she will like that is pretty cool. He knows what they like. God says, here's what I like. This is what I delight in. Here's what makes me happy. When I see love, when I see justice, when I see righteousness executed in the world by people who know me and fear me and walk, when I see integrity, when I see in character, when I see honesty, when I see these things, I am pleased because that's what I'm like. When I see godliness, God is pleased. This is what he's telling us. If you're going to boast or have a pride, be prideful in this, that you know me, you know what I like, and you know what I'm like. You know what I'm like, and you know what, I, what he likes, God. God delights in things. There are things that please him. There are things that make God happy, and we are to know that. We are to be a part of the world, living in the world, that pleases God. This past December, I turned 40 years old. And that's kind of a big one. That's over the hill. And Val threw a party for me. It was really neat because there are a lot of different things that you can do. I think she had thought about having a trip or thought about buying me something really, really neat. You know what she ended up doing? She ended up getting my family and my friends together, playing ping pong and having a taco bar. And as I thought about that more and more, I thought, she knows me. You know, if she would have bought me a round trip to anywhere in the world, I wouldn't have liked it as much as her getting my kids and my friends together to play ping pong and eat tacos. She knows me. And in her knowing me and doing something that she knows that I like, it made me so happy. God says... He wants us to know him. And in knowing him, we are to know what he's like, and we are to know what he likes. Now, listen to me for just a second. There is a category for living in a way that God delights in? Yes, there is. This is what he's communicating here. God actually wants us to know him. Unlike the prideful person who is so hurt or so sad by not being known, God actually says, I want you to know me. 
And in a passage or a book or in a history of people who do not know him, he keeps saying, I want you to know me. It's the beautiful thing about God. Where we get our feelings hurt or we hold a grudge, where we back off, where we go to the other room, where we begin to get silent, where we don't return a phone call, where we turn the cold shoulder and we break off communication and the knowing of each other happens, where we say, I don't even know who you are anymore. And where things like that happen, that does not happen with God. God is so upright and so good and so true, so loving and just and righteous, that any time somebody does not know him, God leans in and says, I want you to know me. God knows that the treasure to our soul is to know him. God knows that the thing that makes us happy is to know him. God continues to pursue. He continues to know. God continues to make himself known. God chases us down. He comes after us. God continues to tell us to know him. This theme of knowing God is throughout the Scripture. You look anywhere, he wants us to know him. You read in Moses' books, in in Exodus, in, 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 in Deuteronomy, you will hear God saying, I want you to know me. Over and over again with the ten plagues to Pharaoh, he says, Pharaoh, this is why I'm doing this, so that you will know me. It's so repetitive, right? He wants us to know him. God says, know me. And while I sang that song from 1972, if you don't know me by now, you will never, ever, ever know me. God cannot do that. And God does not do that. God is continually working that we would know him. God sent his son Jesus so that we would have an open avenue to knowing him. So that we could sin and then be forgiven of our sins. So that we could be lost and then be found. So that we could fall and be able to get back up. So that we could be broken and be put back together. So that we could have salvation. So that we could say, I'm not fit for heaven, but I'm going to heaven. I don't have eternal life, but now I'm getting eternal life. He has that. He gives that. God is that way. Later in the book of Jeremiah, you remember 29.11 where he says, I know the plans I have for you. Everybody knows that verse. But it's just two verses later in verse 13 where he would say to them, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God, in the midst of a people who so don't know him, and they prove that with what they are proud of, continues to say, I want you to know me. God says, don't boast of these things, but boast of this. That I am the Lord. That you know that, that you understand that. That I like these things, love, justice, and righteousness. And these things I delight in. As Jesus was going to the cross, we see the pressure and the intensity increasing. And as he gets closer and closer to the cross, we know that Jesus' ministry, what we would call the biography of Jesus in the Gospels, is about three years. And as he's getting closer and closer to the cross, the pressure mounts. We see the intensity. We see him praying longer. We see him praying more often. We see him praying all night. We see him crying while he's praying. We see him bleeding or dripping blood while he's praying. And you can tell that he is crying out to God. We all remember that deep 
agonizing prayer where Jesus said, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done but yours. In that moment, we see Jesus knows God and he knows what God likes or what God wants. We see Jesus demonstrating what God tells us. Don't get prideful about things you shouldn't be prideful of. If you want to be proud of something, be proud that you know me. And then in John 17, we hear Jesus praying, God, that they would know you and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I want to ask you here this morning, do you know him? Not do you know about him, but do you know him? Have you humbled yourself in the pride that you have? Are there areas of bad pride in your life that are keeping you from knowing Christ? Today you can know him. Would you trust him? Would you turn to him and say, forgive me? Would you be humbled by a God that wants to know you? Would you say whatever has been creating the distance or, or the lack of knowledge, God, I want you to remove it. May today God work in our hearts to know him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we worship you. We thank you so much for your scriptures that you want us to know you. We thank you, God, for the heart of a father who wants us to know him, who identifies bad pride but speaks to what we should be proud of. Father, may it not be the case that we don't know you. Oh, God, move in our hearts. Cause us to know you. Father, thank you that here this morning we've been able to consider deeply knowing you. Father, if we don't know you, lead us to repentance. Help us to believe. Help us to repent of our pride. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for one who died to save us, who offers forgiveness. Father, we worship you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.